into the world of witchcraft, into the world of magic. According to the scholars, it means communicating with unseen forces and putting them to work. Radio Free Satan presents Confessions of a Wicked Witch with our own Magistrate Gray. Welcome to Confessions of a Wicked Witch on Radio Free Satan. My name is Magistra Egrain, and this is the Year of Sin. Yes, why is it the Year of Sin? Because I need to focus my ass, and because I am absolutely fascinated by what constitutes sin. I decided that, given the name of my show, Confessions of a Wicked Witch, and that I have confessed to pretty much every embarrassing thing I've ever done over the years, that perhaps we should focus a bit on what is considered worthy of the label sin. Later in the show, our Wicked Witch of the Year, Heather Height, will be joining me to discuss two specific sins, one satanic and one traditionally seven deadly. Of course, there are other sins, venal, cardinal, just guilty pleasures. Sin does seem to be in the eye of the person determining who is the sinner. Just a thought. Last week, we were treated to a view of a conclave of Christian clergy, not just Christian Catholic, gathering together for I don't know how many at the time to discuss the prevailing problem of child sex abuse and, in general, sexual abuse by members of the Catholic clergy. And, of course, it was an enormous sausage fest. They had 190 participants, of which 10 were women, all were nuns. By the time all was said and done, their determination was what it's been forever. Oh, gee, it sucks. Maybe we should tell somebody, oops. Um, I would consider that a sin on any level. I think the most important one that they kept harping on, including an actual, uh, one of the few actions they were taking, would be to check on the pornography of seminarians, because gosh knows it's got to be something external that's causing these incredibly powerful men who are told they're literally standing in for God when people confess their sins. Um, that those who are influenced by the concept of original sin, i.e. women for having the audacity to eat from the tree of knowledge, have created all sin in the world. No, they don't want to look at these as being contributing factors to this scourge on children. They don't want to look at the fact that they see women and children as chattel. They don't want to look on the fact that they've demanded that women not speak in their churches. They don't want to look on any of these things that their book has created a prevailing societal compunction, obsession with purity at the same time as creating a denial of the sin of lust. They would much rather it be Satan, the devil. These are things sent to try us. So bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I have looked at the truth about you and determined it is wanting. 
Other sins I could confess to <laughs> are the satanic one. And later in the show, when we're talking with Heather Height, we'll be discussing this, and she hits upon a brilliant point. And I'm giving her full credit for this, and but it's so true. Whereas the seven deadly sins are meant to shame you, the satanic sins are meant to send you on your way to eliminate wasted time. I've always felt they were a gut check. Am I doing this? If I'm doing this, I have to question my motivations. I have to question my actions. She'll be discussing solipsism. And again, we'll be discussing lust, which given the fact that Heather won a rather spectacular award in the adult film industry, she seems the perfect person to discuss this with. I want to tell you what happened when I started studying in preparation for the year of sin. I had this really cool little idea and I would confess and somebody else would, you know, give me penance and it would all be kind of a roadshow confessional thing. And then I heard the voice of a certain somebody reading off the definition of pretentiousness <laughs> and uh, the fact that it's a satanic sin and suddenly realized that's pretentious is all fuck and I'm really not going to do it. The second rabbit hole I fell into is when studying the seven deadly sins, you kind of have to, unless you're a complete Philistine, look into Dante Alighieri's The Inferno. And I hadn't read it since college, like the first time. And as I read it, I felt such pity for Dante that these images, these almost Bosch-like images, were so in his head because his culture was so completely wrapped around the Catholic view of sin. And he had to create an entire inverted pyramid, albeit cone-like, in order to understand it and find his place in it because he knew he was part of it because you can't get through life without the seven deadly sins. You can't. It doesn't matter who you are. It's like almost a little loophole they keep so that when they say you are a sinner, you know, you can't say, oh, no, because you're going to hit at least four out of five or four or five out of seven of those sins in your lifetime, if not all of them. They lead, as we have been taught in the Church of Satan, to all manners of gratification. And I was shocked when I read some of the most beautiful words I've ever read. And it was like it, they were new because it had been so long. And I was so appreciative. So in our discussion of sin, when I come back, before we speak to Heather about lust, I want to confess that very often against my better judgment and certainly against the current paradigm, there are days when I feel art transcends all sin and that's such bullshit. I am not for every little thing that comes out of everyone's mouth has to be boycotted, banned, or you don't buy it because he did this 30 years ago. I'm generally... I have a sliding scale on my moral compass with, I haven't seen a Woody Allen movie in years, and I won't. I think fucking your stepdaughter is a bad thing, a really, really heinously bad thing. And I'm not going to give that motherfucker one penny that I have so that he can justify that through film and make money off it. On the other hand, I haven't you know, burned my James Gunn collection of, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. Because you know what? That doesn't have quite the same attack on my moral fiber. But when I look 
or read Dante, and I, I read Francesca, who's supposedly modeled after uh, someone, a family member of Dante's. And the story goes that Francesca took a lover and her uh, intended found them together and accidentally stabbed her and intentionally stabbed him. And they were sent to, after limbo, what would be conceived of the second layer of hell, which is for those who have committed the sin of lust. And when Dante and Virgil descend to the inferno, they stop and they hear the stories. Um, Virgil isn't there throughout, but they hear the stories of the residents in that particular circle of hell. And when I think that this man who watched someone he was close to be murdered and condemned to hell for love and therefore have to identify it as the sin of lust, I am deeply disturbed. He writes her so beautifully. Her words are so revealing. And yet when I read the criticism, it's all about, see, she's talking about just lust. It's not love. And I wonder if those things are so intermingled at some times and so completely varied and, and could not have less to do with one another at other times. Once again, where did anyone get off calling that a sin? The sin is never the feeling. The sin is the action. You know, you could be the worst scumbag on earth earth in your mind. You could have horrible thoughts about people, dreadful things, but if you maintain and don't inflict your shit on others, why is that sinful? And if a supreme deity created you, why is all it took was one little naked, confused woman to determine that she did not want to remain ignorant and controlled? Why did her action force all of humanity to forever be tainted. What God creates that situation? So once again, I confess that I think the very concept of sin is to be reveled in, to be played with. I'll be back soon. This is Magistrate Grain on Confessions of a Wicked Witch, the Year of Sin, today, Lust and Solipsism. In 1966, Anton LaVey created the Church of Satan, marking the beginning of the Age of Fire and Year One Anno Satanus. In 1969, he published The Satanic Bible, codifying Satanism as a religion, the first time it's been done in human history. In the name of Satan, ruler of the earth, king of hell, come forth from the pit, bestow the blessings of hell upon us. For we are your children, and we invoke thee this night. In 2001, I was appointed High Priest of the Church of Satan. In 2007, I published the Satanic Scriptures, further defining and expanding on Satanic philosophy and greater magic ritual. Hail Satan, full of might! Of the, of the Nazarene eunuch. 
the past 50 years, the Church of Satan has stood as the sole organization to define and defend Satanism as a religion. And though pretenders to the infernal throne have come and gone, we have stood the test of time and will into the future. Visit churchofsatan.com for more information and read the Satanic Bible and the Satanic Scriptures. Knowledge is the solution for ignorance. Hail Satan! Sorry if uh, anyone here is Catholic. Uh, I'm not sorry if you're offended. I'm actually sorry just the fact that you're Catholic. <laughs> Got to be one of the most ludicrous fucking beliefs ever. Like these vampire priests sink their twin fangs of guilt and sin into you as a child and suck your joy of life out of you the rest of your fucking existence. And I love watching the Pope bounce around in his little Pope mobile. That's the. That's gotta be hoot number one on my fucking CNN list. Just, I want a whole show of the Pope just bouncing around on that all-terrain Pope-mobile with the three feet of bulletproof plexiglass around him. Boy, there's faith in action. This is Reverend Bill M., and that little bit of comedic blasphemy was brought to you by The Devil's Mischief, comedy that's not made for the masses. Listen to the show The Devil's Mischief on RadioFreeSatan.com. And this is Confessions of a Wicked Witch with Magistrate Green. And today, as promised, I have the winner of the Wicked Witch of the Year, the fifth annual. You are number five, just like the point in a pentagram. Funny that. Welcome, my dear friend, Priestess Heather Height. How are you, Heather? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me on the show, and thank you for all the five years of nominations and finally winning. I, I didn't reach my goal of being the, uh, the, no, I'm not going to remember her name. The, uh, you know, Erica Kane of, uh, <laughs> of the Wicked Witch of the Year. For 18 nominations prior yeah. to falling <laughs> off stage with a heart attack, which is what yeah. near did But I'm glad we didn't have to go there. No. It was a really spectacular year. I did have a good year. Tell it, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So we, um, in fact, last year, writing and um, this film and um, also, like, uh, shooting some of it and directing some of it and producing it was on my, my things that I did the year before. So this year, we, um, for the movie Nadia and the Therapist, our first full-length fetish film, we won the... Fetish Awards, favorite fetish feature full-length film. <laughs> so I guess it's kind of wow. like <laughs> it's kind of like the uh, picture of the year, That's you know. That's fantastic, Heather. I, as I wrote about you, and and I feel like I'm doing like something all a little too Oprah, but <laughs> again, you hear about it all the time. The women who suddenly find themselves either without children or in a new relationship, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, anyone would consider their midwife. And suddenly, you know, the options seem, when you think you finally have the knowledge and freedom to do these things, the options seem to slam in our face a little bit more frequently than they do our male counterparts. Am I wrong? No, not wrong at all. In fact, I think that um, the, uh, 
the fact that, you know, men, men, I mean, I hate to be this way, but it seems like they could just do whatever they want their whole lives, no matter what else is going on, you know? <laughs> and so and maybe on the back, <laughs> maybe their options, you know, maybe it seems like that happens, but maybe those options are always there and we're just more, more open to them. We we're more available, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, I also think nobody looks at a really hot young guy and thinks, wow, you know, he has the experience to really make a good whatever. No. <laughs> you know? Um, but girls seem to be replaceable with age. Yeah, we are. And a lot of that I do credit to a culture that has been completely inundated by that you know, that Abrahamic kind of view of women that is written about in the Bible and it gets back to sin. Yeah. We are the progenitors. We created sin. Yeah. It wasn't a sin to us. So it's kind of easy to be, you know, and then there's an entire book telling you how to get back at us. Don't let us talk here. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. if, you know if, if your husband dies, you marry you off to someone else in the family because you're chattel. I mean, and I was yeah. pointing about, about lust. I was rereading my Dante. Um, the second mm -hmm. canto addresses the layer of lust, which is right under limbo, which I actually thought might probably should be changed. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because I often find that lust leads to limbo. And, um, but you've now taken, frankly, a young woman's game and made it grown and won at it. Yeah, well, we're in a, socially, um, at least in, in the United States or in, in, I guess, you know, the, the Western world, we're in a real sweet spot as women because we still have the Abrahamic, as you said, like, influences. So I could, as a middle-aged woman, I could become invisible like, like a magician just by wearing some big sweatpants and not wearing makeup and just move. I could get away with anything. And also, at the same time, I could, you know, get dolled up, I could be on film, I could, you know, and be a, a total sex pot, and I'm going to be 50, you know? So, and both of these things, you know, for the most part, I'm, I'm able to move in these two worlds. I could take advantage of, of the, you know, old ways of, you know, once you're not fertile anymore, you're invisible. And I could totally take advantage of this new wave of, you know, this liberation of women and, and women in, in, especially in the sex industry and in the, in the pornography industry, women don't just quit now when they get older. They become producers and directors and they write their memoirs and they start new careers, you know? So I, I like, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that this is the time in history that I was born, <laughs> you know? How do you manipulate lust? How do I manipulate lust? I make money on it by making films. <laughs> the, um, I mean, you're taking yeah. advantage of the very sin that's enticing your audience, right? Yeah, and in a way, it, it, it's almost, um, I, I guess maybe it's just because I'm doing it, it almost seems like the easiest thing to take advantage of, you know? But uh, we literally can go into, like, um, the clip stores, Think, uh, websites that we post on and and look up different fetishes, different lusts, you know, <laughs> and right. and think is this something that we're willing to film? Is this is this something that like 
is entertaining to us that we're not going to hate. You know, I've tried things that I hate. And some of them are very simple things, but it's like, uh, <laughs> one is there's a balloon fetish. And I tried because I'm terrified of balloons. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe that'll be a thing. You know, maybe people will be into somebody who's absolutely terrified. And it didn't, it didn't work. It didn't go over. <laughs> but it was, and I'm so happy. I have, so, I'm afraid. I have a, I have a, my, my fear is like a, the anticipation of a balloon popping. Right. You know, like, so I, I can't, I could never do the, there's a whole thing about, you know, over blowing a balloon, a balloon really big and then squeezing it against you and popping it. I would never be able to do that. That would just be, I would probably end up in the hospital. <laughs> like, I just couldn't do it. But the thing I tried to do, I'm afraid to just blow up balloons, especially on like a, an automatic balloon, like the, the machines where you press on it and it blows up the balloon real fast. So they had yeah. me do that and I was terrified. And the, the, the guy I was shooting with, he's a friend of ours, was just delighted to see how terrified I was with these balloons. But the, uh, nobody bought it. It wasn't a good seller. But it's fun to be able to experiment with those things and see, like, because you can take something like, okay, people, are, people have this balloon fetish. Well, let's take this angle at it, you know, and uh, see if it works. And it costs us nothing to do. We're just experimenting here with people's, people's uh, desires. Do you think... Um pornography or even the sex industry would be so uh, prevalent if it wasn't for that standard of it's naughty, it's a sin, it's bad. That's something that we think about a lot now because there's a sex positive movement. And um, I feel that, and, and actually I got this idea from Dave, he's the one who introduced this into my mind, that, that the uh, sex, if, if nothing is taboo, then is it going to sell? And is that what's actually making making uh, the market, like you don't make money like you used to in porn, right. you know? It's saturated, that's part of it, you know, because people, everybody could do it. And, right. and everybody, more people than anyone would have imagined are willing to do it. But um, the, off, the other side of it is that if it's all okay, then, you know, is it as valuable to people? Because it's right. something that they have to hide. And I think that, you know, every time somebody rails against pornography, especially the religious right, it's kind of helpful to our industry because it makes other people, you know, have that little naughty feeling or wakes up that little part of their brain, you know, whatever that is that gets stimulated. That's not, it's not a, it's, especially in the realm of, of fetishes. It's not necessarily purely sexual. There's some other thing going on there that, that if I could hook somebody up to an MRI and, you know, while they watch different fetishes and see, I don't think that just their sex area would light up, you know? It'd be right. like tied in with, because fetishes are tied in with childhood memories. A lot of people, these things are crystallized at a young age, you know? And I think that adds to it because it's a specific sense of, Ooh, this is wrong, you know. And humans are and particularly driven, huh? What? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if it's not dirty, it's not fun, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's things we have as children, right? We play and shit we would never touch later. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. One way or another, be it's almost like a symbol of rebellion, right? To mm-hmm. go against whatever the. And I think that's part of the. Um, 
reason why people are just embracing their sexuality now is they're, you know, it's really hard to rebel <laughs> right now. I mean, what do you do to rebel other than be a right wing kind of nut bag? Yeah. Everything, you know? And that's, that's a very good point. That might be what's happening. Because <laughs> like even what's happening with the smart ones, because I refuse to believe. Okay. And I know an awful lot of incredibly smart, incredibly smart, what I used to think of as conservative who have, who have suddenly become complete and utter. It's like, don't tell me you don't know this is stupid. I yeah. know you know this is stupid. There's no way. And I'm not stupid enough to think it's not stupid. And you know that too. Yeah. You know, so it's got to be like a rebellion against the, the intentional contrarian. Yeah. Anybody who would double down after the things, you know, if, if you take Trump as an example, anybody who would double down on him and be like, no, I'm standing by our president has got to be doing it on some level in their brain. It's got to be some form of, of just straight up rebellion. <laughs> I do. I think it is straight up rebellion. And I think because he violates so many norms yeah. that were traditionally thought to be Christian, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in fact, in my estimation, they were just civility or we wouldn't have gotten out of the trees, but Christians have somehow managed to co-opt them and make them their own. Yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, but I think that, that those norms being shattered have had a real influence on people who, you know, are now saying, see, didn't we always want someone who just spoke the, you know, and now in retrospect, I'm sure I said that at some point. Yes, I love somebody who just talked like this. Now I really know I don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm married to one. I don't need one in the in, in the White House. <laughs> I mean, I, I, no, no, I really don't. <laughs> and I've gotten even like much. I used to let, frankly, Jim get away with every, anything, and he still does to everyone else. He took the most offensive shit. I mean, <laughs> like crawl all over him for it. It's like oh, and I'm like, yeah, set him down at 9 p.m. He's gonna be out on a suit in about 30 seconds flat, yeah. you know, but I've gotten less tolerant just because it's so easy to be me. Yeah. Without trying. You think you're being funny or you're, you're standing up for your right not to be politically incorrect. Mm -hmm. But you might just be hurting somebody's feelings and never did you were wrong. What, I don't know what you get from that. I, I have a conscience that like screams against that. And that's what I was getting back to is actually the nature of conscious and lust. Yeah, and how using somebody's contents to manipulate them and their sense of desire must be a hallmark of any satanic witch, wouldn't you say? I, I mean, wouldn't say so. I mean, I think there's a whole book written about that, right? <laughs> what was that guy's name again? <laughs> I don't know, doctor something? I don't know. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Had a beard. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like we don't know any other of it. Anyway, <laughs> um, he, we can't. And I think what was really, really amazing about lust in that book and the uh, lust rituals in that book is that they're all about us as he wrote them when we were still considered yeah. in a, a weaker sex. Yeah. And, and this very anti-feminist man wrote, and a wonderful how-to book on how to use that weakness to get over on the roofs, i.e. men. Yeah. What a thing to do for us. I was just, well, 
You know, and I remember when I was a young, hot-headed, you know, whatever, I was, oh, look, she wants us, what about our brains? Yeah, brain tells you is what works, damn it. Yeah. You know? So I, I find, of all the sins, and by the way, those sins are all made up anyway. I mean, not to like 600, or they all put together, 688. God didn't send those down on a stone like he did with the commandments, and apparently the Jews never noted them. But anyway, yeah. so those and then Dante just put the bond, ran with it. But those hands, and Lust in particular, and the fact that Lust is first, shows yeah. me that because everyone was guilty of it, it was the least punishable. Yeah. I mean, did you know that you just kind of like fly around in the flotsam and jetsam, never finding a place because Lust is, you know, reminiscent of you being out of control and, you know, you're on a wave. And you get, so that was your help. Yeah. The worst it was fuck somebody you shouldn't. Boom, that was it for eternity. Just a while. wasn't terrible, you know. And, and yeah. I thank you the knowledge. But the church for this, um, this convention they recently had determined that pornography, at no point did they say in their eight points that we are going to report every one of these incidents, please. But by golly, we're going to report any seminarian who has pornography. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I'd rather they have pornography. Well, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd rather for you they do too. And I'd rather, again, they called pornography a scourge. In Arizona, they recently wanted to name it a national or a statewide health crisis. To get oh, that'd be money. wonderful. Do you know how high our sales would be in Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> you best get outside and start fucking some cactus, my girl. <laughs> Just saying, always trying to help. Um, I think. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, this notion that pornography causes people to fuck more than people fucking causes the creation of pornography. Yeah. It's got to be along with that forbidden fruit line, don't you think? I mean, it, it, yeah. I mean, has there ever been a time when people didn't do porn? Never. And every time that we have any new advance in technology, the first thing they do with it is make porn. You know, Edison, like the telephone was practically, hello, are you there? What are you wearing? You know, so, <laughs> the, we, the first pornographic, well, before we had film, they had those little things, those little viewers, the Nickelodeons, so you put the nickel in and then people watch porn on them. <laughs> like, the, you know, photography, they, Took naked pictures. I'm surprised there's not more boobies drawn in, in cave drawing, in cave painting. Yes, uh, because they make them as fetish figures for uh, the Venuses. The Venus figures are all, you know, the mm -hmm. fertility. Yeah. yeah. Uh, explain the whole fertility thing without the fucking thing. You keep forgetting, you know, again, it was all like, oh, we didn't have time to think about, you know. Bullshit. People will always make time for fucking. And really, people they want. Something had to, uh, something had to make, make somebody want to put their penis in a vagina in the first place. You well, know? <laughs> Either that, it was really, really a happy, you know, happenstance for like every species ever. Yeah. You know? So I, I, yeah, I don't, oh, sorry, go on. Well, what I want to do is uh, come back in a minute and discuss. We're going to discuss solipsism, a satanic sin instead. But at first, I think we ought to look at it through sex because I can't think of another area where people will say, I would never do that and assume, you know, 
Yeah. So we will be back in just a second. This is Confessions of a Wicked Witch on Radio Free Satan, and I am with Heather Hike. Ah, hey, buddy, what's happening? Yeah, I'm hosting a show called Furious Sound, all punk and hardcore. What? People still listen to it? It's on RadioFreeSatan.com. Radio Free Satan. Ah, just read the FAQ. This is Citizen Matt. Ease your frustrations by tuning into Furious Sound. Hardcore Punk on Radio Free Satan. Clip Mephisto coming at you, two-fisted from the Double Cross Ranch. Got a beer in one hand, a microphone in the other. What, are you in love with my ass or something? The Shit Kicking Road Show, the finest in rockabilly, psychobilly, vintage country, swamp rock, surf rock, doo-wop. Well, man, it is now official. Shit Kicking Road Show, radio free, Satan. And we are back on Radio Free Satan's Confessions of a Wicked Witch. I am Magistrate Graham with Heather Height. We were just talking about lust, and now we're going to talk about a satanic sin. Solipsism. A lot of people don't even know that word. And I've introduced it to a lot who probably wish now that they didn't know that word. (laughs) (laughs) I Tell me why. I chose to talk about this because it is my most committed satanic sin <laughs> but i <laughs> i so i thought it would be my greatest challenge and i also find that a lot of um other satanists that i talk to um it, it starts to devolve into just uh into not meaning what it means anymore you know like i get into a lot of conversations I'm like, you keep using that word, and I don't think it means what you think that it means, you know? <laughs> but I, I, I uh, understand the philosophy of, of solipsism, you know? Yeah. That, and, and, and I think that the sin of it isn't the philosophy of it, of course. It's the, it's the inevitable conclusion that somebody with all of the earmarks of a Satanist would fall into having, you know, the... Uh, after contemplating their existence and and thinking of themselves as the only thing that's real, that's not the sin. <laughs> the sin is not understanding how everybody isn't them, you know, <laughs> and and how that how you're tie, we're tying that into the you know the whole my whole lust industry and people being opposed to it because they just can't understand how somebody could want to do that. The biggest one, the biggest, uh, and we don't really do a lot of this is, um, people who are into, it's called bigs and littles. Yeah. And, um, it's people who, who actually some, there's a girl who posted a video online and she has a whole playroom. She, she's like a three-year-old. Right. And but they don't. It's not sexualized, but it's still in the fetish realm. It's a really sticky subject, and I have zero problem with it. I, I don't have a 
thing for it, but I, I totally get, you know, like somebody recapturing that moment. It's still the same because it's the, like I was saying before, there's this little part of your brain and it crystallizes in childhood. And I think that's why this enacting like this babyhood or this, this toddlerhood is stimulating that same part of the brain that other people get from, you know, licking a foot or <laughs> popping a balloon, you know, there's, there's some, it's in that same little area, wherever that is. And um, the people are the most solipsistic about these people who, and I guess it just like triggers something in them that is, is repul- that repulses them that this person wants to wear, a, you know, a grown up size onesie and play with blocks and talk like a baby, you know? Are they, I mean, are they essentially uh, equating it to some form of, uh, you know, Yeah, a lot of people think of it that way. And well, it's, you know, and it's such a fine line. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a, um, like, it's a gray area. Nobody wants to, wants to stick their toe into, you know? And so I, I, I get that. But the, uh, the cruelty that comes out of people when they're online and they're talking about these people, you know, that the, uh, somebody wanting to be a three-year-old is, that's where, that's where my solipsism comes in. Like, I think, how could you not just be understanding about what this person wants to do with their life? They're not, you know, <laughs> so it's just a big cycle of it. <laughs> I, I see that, but you know what? I mean, I don't know if the answer to solipsism can't be mass understanding, mm-hmm. you know, which obviously you can't educate everybody, so obviously that can't be the answer. But if the answer could more be like, well, you know what, until you've broken a law and done something, this is none of my fucking business, couldn't that yeah. be a temporary reprieve <laughs> from other people's bullshit? Yeah, I'm not expecting people to be Buddha here, you know? <laughs> But <laughs> they don't have to be like we're all one. But hotel or a shelter, just yeah. How about that? Yeah, I don't. I think we all are guilty of it. I think Levay brings it up as a sin because I don't know. Ever since the first time I read it, in really, really trying situations, I ask myself, and I think that's what he did. Yeah. You can't avoid it. Obviously, you can only see things through the sight of your own perception, right, mm-hmm. your experience. I mean, it's not like I can deal with something, you know, like a beggar on a street in Calcutta. That's not my frame of reference. But I can at least question my responses because I've been told that that is a sin. Like I think that, that I, didn't, you know. I think ultimately it's fascinating that he picked the word solipsism, you know, because it's, it's and said the the word solipsism is a sin, but the thing that he describes as the sin is not actually solipsism, you know, it's because that's a philosophy, a, right. you know, a contemplation. But I think that the real, like, if you were thinking, like, his sins are more of of a, um, a warning against particular behaviors so, so that you don't interfere with yourself. And the, the solipsism, the um, the inevitable conclusion of solipsism in that you you wait, it's a time waster. You're literally wasting your time, which is something that has become just rampant since social media came about, is wasting our time worrying about how other people can't see our point of view, you know? Right. And, and I, um, I've, I've, been really good lately about not 
Trying, trying not to. I mean, I know I argue a lot online, but mostly just because people are stupid and it's kind of entertaining. Also, not a good time way to spend my time. But like um, one of our other nominees, Jezbel, just last night, we were, we disagreed about something, and I I just said we're just you know I love you anyway, <laughs> but that's all that you can say because we're both really hard headed women. I know neither one of us are going to change the other one's mind, you know. So. There's no point. I, I, you just do you, you know, and 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 it wasn't like an argument. Argument. It was just a we a disagreement met at an impasse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and but there are some people, and I'm I'm guilty of it too. That will just spend sometimes more than one day in the same thread, <laughs> and and we've all done it, you know, because we're trying. And and I realize what we're trying to do is change the other person's mind, and you're just not gonna, especially not face to face. You know, humans need each other. If we were face-to-face, we would come to some impasse and, and we would either punch each other or we would have have a beer, you know? And that's never going to come to that conclusion in a, in a yeah, Facebook group. Yeah, because you were polite to each other and kind. Yeah. If the minds could have been changed, it would have been. In other words, you gave each other the right to let you speak your truth. And then, yeah. You know, because there are no competing truths. There's the truth and then there's your experience <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um everything's a bumper sticker now I, uh, yeah you know you're not allowed to any thought you think might even be deep you want to like check because if it was like written in like you know women's day or some shit you're just gonna have to dispose of that <laughs> <laughs> horrifying but i think what i've noticed most is people just are so frustrated and again, I come back to the idea of sin. And what you said earlier is just, yeah, they're sins because they fuck with your own agenda. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense to me. But I think they serve more for me as a gut check. I mean, I got to an age where I knew I had fucked up so many things that I couldn't possibly think that I was okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right. I have to accept that, you know what, you're completely fucked. So you're going to have to question your motivation and your behavior and gut check yourself. And what it did was give me a handy-dandy list. Okay, are you being stupid? Are you being pretentious? Are you lying to yourself? And I use yeah. these tools regularly to prevent myself from further fucking up my existence, which is, you know, a day-to-day thing. I don't know about you, but I'm always walking the oh, that one. Yeah, constantly. <laughs> constantly getting in my own way. And I, I, I think that uh, using, using these interactions, like, because if you look at it in one way, you know, back to the social media thing, which is always on my mind, um, in one way, you're constantly being bombarded and people are assholes and you're always in an argument. In another way, you can use it as an exercise to construct critical argument skills, you know? You can learn how to be more diplomatic and be a better human by having these interactions. The Twitter, yeah, get because down to make a point in that amount of time that they yeah. allow you, I have let you cut and paste and edit like crazy, and it's been never, never in human history have we ever been given the opportunity to be constantly criti- criticized with everything that we say. So there, you could use it as an exercise to deal with criticism and and a way to. Uh, kind of consider other sides of things without being 
an asshole, you know? <laughs> Not that I always do that, but I, I think it's a better use of, of, of the tool than um, just getting online, getting pissed off and having, you know, just to, what if my side is right, you know, like, because nobody's right, <laughs> you know? So I, I just am delighted that whatever lingering sense of apathy was created by social media's, you know, immediate gratification button, mm-hmm. is it provoking something other than automation in people? I, I mean, I know it's probably not very often thought of, but perhaps, you know, everybody's been tapping on their anger and their frustration and their pain for so long being told that, you know, those were bad things and bad emotions. That maybe, you know, it's kind of part of an emotional calling where everybody yeah. gets to feel that they have a voice no matter how stupid and absolutely lame they are. <laughs> and, you know, but nobody makes me read them. I shouldn't really complain. <laughs> I have every option to do, you know, I can pick and choose what I look at. Yeah. But I yeah. can do this to listen. Who the fuck is watching this? Yeah. What that person has two hundred followers, what? Family? You know? <laughs> you know. You just can't believe the people who are popular and who oh, this person's on YouTube and they have, you know, two million followers and you're like walking around literally thinking, Am I bumping into someone that's brain dead like on a day to day basis? Is that <laughs> what's happening? But that's our judging and luckily it's statements we're allowed to judge. I like that part. Yeah, and I think that I think that um, trying to um, hold it like at first when the like you brought up YouTube at first when like YouTube stars first started happening I hated it I was like who the fuck are these kids you know and it, and and then I started to kind of embrace it and and I've got you know I've got kids who are teenagers and they show me stuff all the time and I started to admire these people they're groundbreaking now to me you know yeah. as much, even if I don't even if I don't like like you know like what they say my my objection to them was because I I want to see you know Walter Cronkite deliver the news I don't want to see some guy in his bedroom you know <laughs> but but then I started to think they're giving a different voice to things that, you know, we had one, when I was a kid, we had, you know, 13 channels and, and there was news and it was on at six and that was it. And that's all you got. And now you could get so many perspectives. You could get things that are crazy outlandish and things that are really, um, you know, like sensible and, and things that are still standard delivery of, of information. And, and you can absorb all of that and see a bigger picture of where um, at least in the, or not even just the Western world, if you choose, you can look at, you know, people are posting videos from all over the world now, and you can get a better perspective on, on where humans are mentally, you know, <laughs> and, and learn to appreciate that and not just, you know, so I think as far as philosophy goes, it could help break through these things that, this is not what I'm used to, I hate this, and turn it into a, taking an interest in being more open to different voices, you know? Absolutely. And then learning how to do that and seeing what works and then going out there and making money with it. <laughs> no, I agree. I'm my kid who's going to be in two days. I remember taking her and her girlfriends in like early high school to a YouTube convention with YouTubers. Oh, and those are crazy. <laughs> you went to one of those? 
I took them. And they were like, we've got tickets to the lunch with Frank. I don't even know who these people were. But yeah. in retrospect, you're absolutely right. I was sitting there going, Jesus Christ, we're all going, you know, I was yeah. it internally to get off my lawn. What could be yes. so sadistic that, you know, that <laughs> being angry that the world is passing you by, dumb bitch, you might jump on the train, you know? Yeah. I think that's another thing that that points out to It's not just about how other people think. It's about how, how you frame time and what is right. It seems to be based in when you were at your prime, how you perceived it. The yeah. homes to be perceived as wherever you went to high school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, I mean, that's like your own solipsism. You've got to actually open yourself up and say, wait a second, you know, I'm sure my mother said this about my shit. I'm sure her mother said this about her shit. And my kids will say this about my shit. It's okay. This is how, you know, this is staying on the life platform rather than I kind of died at 35 and just like, you know, hung out for another 40 years. Who knows? Yeah. I think, again, does everyone ask these questions or do they just like go to church and get told what's bad, what's good, and just move along? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't think anybody really, I I think anybody who, who, uh, especially... I don't know if that was a real question you were going to ask me. I'm about to answer it. Was that was that a, a rhetorical had, question? No. Okay. <laughs> you haven't answered any of my rhetorical questions. <laughs> I think that almost everybody just just because I'm I'm the same species as all the other humans, and and um, I I just don't believe people who are religious who, who, well, God says, and blah, 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 and you need to find Jesus. Everybody, and this might be solipsistic for me to say, but has a little, has a sense of self in their own little id in their mind who, who does not buy that, you know? And, and that's what I'm banking on as far as, as uh, porn goes, or as far as, you know, selling what's naughty. As long as there's humans around, you know, but it's just not what humans are. We're not we're inherently rebellious. The, the biggest um, uh, characters in the most popular TV shows and movies are all anti-heroes and bad guys now because yeah. because we have to be so politically correct and look at what we watch. We watch people who, you know, call people names and flip people off and, you know, like do the wrong thing and, you know, the breaking bad crystal meth is a teacher who starts making crystal meth, you know, like that's what, that's what we want deep down. We want to be bad and we're always going to want to be bad. So if they, if society wants to lower the bar a little more and, and make sex naughty again, and, and I would love it if people started jerking off just because somebody, you know, said fuck you. Because you're not allowed to say fuck you anymore. If somebody called somebody a cunt and somebody somewhere, I would, I'll, I'll make a whole video of me saying cunt just repeatedly if that's what will sell. You know? Like, just go ahead and make things bad again. Make it wrong again. Go ahead and be religious because I know you're going to be at my back door. <laughs> I just went off on a total rant there. <laughs> no, it's great. You know, I mean, I... You know, I for years have used the reverse. And, yeah. And I think that's what's so kind of cool about, again, satanic witches. I mean, I get married goddamn to her. Frankly, are wonderful whores who are doing all kinds of fantastic <laughs> shit. But 
<laughs> therefore in that little realm, you know, yeah, it just fine. You know, it's just you use what you've got and you work against type because that way you never there's always yeah. someone dying, dying yeah, something wrong. You so never Oh yeah. And well even with the uh the FOSTA the legislation against sex workers, which is supposed to be legislation to help stop child sex trafficking with not one mention of children in it. They, uh, they've actually made, it, it brought this upheaval of sex workers online protesting against it and speaking out and has broadened what a sex worker is rather than just picturing some woman, you know, in trashy clothes standing on a corner picking up men. It has broadened it to, you know, I am a sex worker. I do dominatrix work, and just by virtue of making porn, I am considered a sex worker. And so it's brought that whole community closer together. Because, and so they've actually made it stronger. They've actually brought in men who would who would um, sneer at a hooker in public, but then, you know, of course, go here behind closed doors, are now on Twitter following prostitutes and giving them support. And it's because these girls came out after FOSTA was passed and just started speaking out of, and, and proclaiming themselves as sex workers. And, and so it had the opposite effect in that regard. I know none of them see it that way. I've tried to point it out, you know, <laughs> but they... No, but, you know, it's just smart to ask them if we can't be honest about anything. We have to be honest that victims... But getting a bunch of victims together mm-hmm. of anything, particularly anything the government tries to inflict on you, gives you, you know, that collective bargaining voice, and it essentially makes each individual feel stronger and willing to do something. It's just, it's, you know, it's victimentalism, and I don't think that we would have had Me Too, and I don't think we would have had a lot of the other things that have happened if it wasn't for that kind of, you know, it, you've been attacked so much that everybody rails up and says, fuck you, and we're going to be this, and now we're all yeah. together in this, you know? So it's almost beneficial that they see themselves that way, because you know what? They're not Satanists, and Satanists just won't say to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're letting the shit out of these people, and no, I have no intention of stopping, and it's they want to be manipulated, and, you know, I don't care what's right or wrong. I'm utilizing nature. Yeah. In the final analysis, I'm pretty sure that, you know, whatever chimpanzee prototype we were, none of them said, hey, let's do this to have a baby. They did <laughs> Okay. I'm pretty sure lust is a fundamental component of us maintaining, you know, a place on the planet. I yeah. So actually vilifying it is counterproductive, but maybe it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I think that lust is, is, uh, it's the birth of, you know, if you want to get, I, I tend to go kind of existential about everything, but like, what <laughs> would be more lustful than a fucking supernova, you know, like, like everything in everything that's creative is, is a lusty thing. So, you know, of those paintings of, you know, the last supper, that's just a big old pile of lust. <laughs> it's a big, beautiful painting, you know, it's, and the Sistine Chapel is you know he might as well jerked off on the cha- on the on the on the stealing <laughs> you know so I, I thought you know David was 
essentially the ancients telling us it's okay to be gay. I mean, why else would you do that? Okay. Yeah. I mean, most women would look at that and say, I, I just can't even compete with that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. But men wouldn't. They're silly that way. That's um, a big, giant, naked man. <laughs> Green's okay to be, you know, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Someone has done that, like being rainbow at some point, but if not, it should be done. I'm just throwing that out there to the ether. <laughs> um, that's a good one. <laughs> you know, I, I just, were you raised any specific religion? No, I actually, um, my, my dad was Catholic, but we never partook. <laughs> And uh, my grandmother later in life, as a lot of elderly people do, became a Jehovah's Witness, but I think she just liked the company. <laughs> and other than that, I was pretty much raised, I, I tell people I was raised a Darwinist, although not officially, that's pretty much what it, what it came down to, you know? I was, I was uh, raised in a, by a very, under a very scientific kind of, uh, I guess, doctrine, I don't know, like, did you ever uh, have to go to any of that early Catholic shit? No, I never. My my mother hated the Catholic Church, and uh, had, they were. My mom was kind of a hippie, you know. So I was just raised. She did a lot of self help stuff, and I think the only thing she ever tried to join was the Church of Scientology. And the first time they asked her for money, she was like, "I'm a waitress," <laughs> and they never called her again. So funny. Um, <laughs> So I, I actually like went the the big church of Scientology in in Riverside was the one that she went to and I sat in on sessions and I I took a uh, like a study guide for kids like how to do better in school and it was because they they borrow from things that actually work you know there's there's the formula of things that work for humans to be successful and they use that. And humans are successful, and then they call it a religion and charge them money and give them a lie detector test and blackmail them. <laughs> you know, so I and it worked. Successfully. Yeah, yeah. I I learned how to study. I I did better in school, but so I you know, but I, I wouldn't call that being raised religious. I call it. My mom was a dabbler, kind of so searching funny. for things. Funny, yeah. She was Buddhist, and then she was yeah. Buddhist. That and she died at Wiccan, kind of. She had been there. I guess that's where it would have been. Um, yeah. She actually, yeah. my mother tried to choose religions for me. Like one time she was like, you know, maybe you should try being a Wiccan. They're very into keeping their house clean. <laughs> she does not know Wiccans for shit. Yeah. She, she, I think she just wanted me to clean my house. <laughs> she. She, uh, when I, when I told her, let me be frank, a woman who cannot shit in her underarms cannot clean a house. Okay. Yeah. Let's get it right there. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) When, when I told her, when I, when she met Dave and I married him, she was like, you should join. You should, you're definitely a Satanist. You should join the church. Like she's very supportive about it because it's, I think it didn't matter to her. I think she, she wanted me to, um, I, I was never a joiner, and I never belonged to anything. And I think she thought it would be good for me to have a community. Yeah, have a community and commit to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, we can't look. I mean, and it's all chicken and the egg shit, right? Mm-hmm. We create organizations and religious groupings because they kept us safe, or because they kept us safe, we decided to apply names to them. Who knows? Yeah. So 
We can't get out of it. So we are affected. I mean, I had this, we were talking about online shit. I had this solipsism, this huge argument with someone who kept insisting that she was an atheist, raised in mm-hmm. atheist, who had, and her families were an atheist. So she had absolutely no influence at all of Western religious culture, i.e. Catholicism, Christianity. <laughs> okay. I said, poor chick. And she goes, well, why do you need a church? I I don't need a church to do this, blah, 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 the usual bullshit. But her big point was, uh, now, first of all, her name was Pink Heretic. (laughs) (laughs) The irony of using that word was apparently lost on her. Yes. You're saying that you're a heretic, which means you're acknowledging that this is at least some influence. No, it's not. It's just a cool name. Oh, God. Okay. And then, you know, and she was about Valentine's Day. We're just going to have chocolates, not about St. Valentine's. I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to Valentine's Day mass, where I, you know, but she refused to accept. And if we don't accept those influences that they pay, and that some of them, just by virtue of the broken clock being right twice a day, mm-hmm. actually have some benefit. You know, I mean, that's that's as contrary and ridiculous as just accepting it all wholesale. Yeah. And I think that's what solipsism really is. It's just accepting any pile of anything wholesale because it's the way you do it. Yeah. Without looking at, you know, all the various things that make us us. And, and of course, understanding where, where other humans are coming from and that we all have these roots um, is beneficial to, I guess, ultimately manipulating them, but or just plain, you know, understanding or getting along. But all that's also a manipulation. So all that people you care about, and you know, you may be all like broken up because of something that I can't comprehend, but I can I can comprehend broken up. You yeah. know what I mean? And again, we're also so used to with social media, with reality TV, we are so used to everybody's bullshit being out there. Like yeah. public humiliation as a rite of passage. Yeah. I'm still okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I avoid that if I can possibly do it. I really dislike. But apparently, and here's one of those things I can't understand is any attention's good attention. I don't yeah. find that to be so in my personal life. Yeah, it seems to be an overall prevailing thing. And well, I I feel like call out culture is kind of ruining the uh, any press is good press kind of thing, you know, because people right. are losing their jobs and losing their lives over things that they did 20 years ago, you know. Yeah, and sometimes they deserve it, and sometimes they don't. And you know what? None of us know. Yeah, except people who are involved. You know, and everybody's real big on, you know, defending whoever they like. I found myself doing that all the time. Yeah. Like when I first heard about Kevin's baby, I tried diligently to write it off, you know. I tried to. (laughs) There was no writing that shit off, okay. Yeah, I read the whole original accusation. I was like, please, 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 please be bullshit. But it wasn't. (laughs) Exactly. But you know what? We did. We both thought about it, saw the evidence, eventually concluded that it was probably true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think most people do that. I think it's all on which team you're on. Uh, yeah. The Jeff Smollett attack, right? Supposedly, us liberals are all broken up that he got caught lying. 
I'm not. He's a dick. You no. Know? I'm a I know plenty of white dicks, and I don't recall them getting dragged over the coals either, you know? Yeah. It's, it's crazy shit. It's all all or nothing. Yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm on Team Heather, so I don't... <laughs> I'm not burdened by that too much. <laughs> like, I, oh, thank you. I, I'm pretty impressed with me sometimes. <laughs> but I I try not to. And if I do have a, a gut feeling, like, like I have absolutely no real love for Hillary Clinton. You know, like, I just don't like her as a person. But I was watching, like, a... But and also I I hate Michael Moore, but I love watching his movies. <laughs> and so no, David, and point. They're you know? really good at making those damn documentaries. And so Dave Dave feels the same as so we're watching that that eleven nine one about Trump. Or I guess it's not just about Trump; it's about a lot of things. But and uh, I'm watching the people upset over Hillary, and and I actually like welled up a little bit. And it was because it was it was pulling on this little tiny part of me that's a feminist, you know, I'm thinking, I, I couldn't imagine what, like, but it really got to me, like, like, I don't really have a horse in this in general. And most of the time, don't even think about it or care who's president or, you know, but watching that every time. And when it happened, it just got to me. And I recognized that the part of me that it got to is something that I don't, I don't really, uh, bring out very often, you know, like I don't, I don't walk around identifying as a, as a woman you know, all the time. I'm not always walking around going, I'm a female, you know, like, but for some reason, <laughs> for some reason that got to me, you know, and I kind of love it. <laughs> I kind of enjoyed the feeling of, of feeling connected to other women, you know, miserable pictures. Yeah, <laughs> it felt good. Like, wow, I feel like I'm part of the community of, of people based on their sex. That's such an unusual emotion for me. <laughs> I woke up the day after election day and called my daughter and said, tell me the onion took over everything. All right. <laughs> it says here, it says right here that you know who won the election. So tell me that like somebody's like, you know, hacked my computer and set the onion and a couple of others and like none of this is and they've got really good Washington Post font. I mean, I didn't quite fall to my knees. I was just like, you know, I mean, a day that I'm sure could tell you if you grew up in like New York City proper or around mm-hmm. that area. Yeah. And you're anything older than forty. You either bumped into new or somebody who worked for him, somebody, you know. Yeah. I mean, I literally, okay. Yeah. I bumped into him when I was only 14 years old. Oh, Jesus. So, I mean, I did, and we knew similar people. And they will all tell you, man's an asshole, okay? Yeah. He's an asshole. Now, that didn't mean he wasn't going to be qualified for president. I'm not implying that. I'm just saying, when somebody doesn't take their own state, it's a sign. Yeah, it's not a good sign. Okay. Especially, yeah, he grew up here. He, people know him. Yeah, never a good sign. Um, yeah, even they were surprised that he won. Well, they might have something to do with those three million votes, but still. Yeah. That's notwithstanding. Um, we're going to have to close down soon, but what I wanted to ask you, or what I wanted to tell you, mm-hmm. is... I'm doing um, research for this year of sin thing that I'm doing. 
um, I wanted to see the whole confessional experience. And I wanted to bounce this off to another woman who was a mother to tell me if I just have a filthy, dirty mind or not. And I mean okay. in a good way. Okay, I mean in a okay. bad way. Okay. So I wanted to learn all about confession. And they don't really call it. It's reconciliation now. Mm -hmm. It's called reconciliation. So it was giving all the steps. And I, I looked through like three videos. But the first one that I pulled up was a picture of a little girl, about seven, all in her little Sunday best, walking into a little room with a little old man all alone. Yeah. <laughs> the door closed. Yeah. That's her sin. The church was trying to make it more comfortable by doing that, too, which is really funny. Because they, they did away with the confessionals. for I guess you could still do confessionals old-fashioned style if you want to. But they did the, they, they were like, we want it to be more like a therapy session. Like, we're helping and, you know. <laughs> putting an innocent child in a room with a dirty old man. Yeah. Door and telling her to confess to her sins. And as just discussed, the very concept of sin apparently makes these people hard. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, I looked at this and had an absolute, like, a freak out. Like, I wanted to run down to church and just, like, watch others walking in and going, are you sure? Are you going to stand outside? You know? I mean, I was like, freak. How is this? Yeah, my, my oldest son, when I first, his father was, uh, was Catholic. And so I had him go through catechism and everything. And um, they did their first Holy Communion. And they did the confession part, like, out in the open with the parents right there. There you go. And, and I thought that was great. They, he gave me and my husband a dirty look because they wanted the parents to do the whole confession thing too. But I'm not even Catholic. I don't know what, I don't know what the act of contrition is. Like, blah, 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 do the crossy ding. I don't know. But, but other, other than that, you know, it was, it was a kind of a nice experience. <laughs> it, was, it was very, uh, and it was exactly what it should be. It was a family event, and it was a group thing. It was the whole, all the kids at once, and they were out in the church proper, and they had a line, and they'd sit at a chair at the head of the line and have the kid go through the act of contrition thing and confess but or whatever they call it now and uh that was that was it and it was it was it was uh it was sweet and fun and lighthearted, and it wasn't heavy and there wasn't too much like you know you know you're gonna go to hell if you don't do this shit <laughs> you know so and, and i think that's I, that i would have loved to have heard that that's what i yeah. would have loved to have out of the people um, the convention. I would have loved to children are no longer allowed to be alone in a room with a priest. That yeah. is a nice, solid, seeming fucking business. But no, none of that shit. It was all we have to discuss whether a credible threat should be reported or not. I mean, <laughs> Discussing this since fucking 1992, I'm probably talking about it since about 1400. Mm -hmm. I want it, you know, but I'm very happy to hear that some dioceses evidently are taking the bull by the horns and at least saying, you know, we can't afford another four million dollars suit. Yeah, and that was a while ago because my oldest son is is in his 30s now, so they were pretty ahead of the game in Mountaintop, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the case. 
concern what I think I've seen is their deities that saw this way the wind was blowing and were frankly Americanized enough to know that this, but there have also been about three waves of the sex abuse scandal. And like when they die down for a while and then they come back, everyone thinks it's, oh, the sex abuse scandal. We're on about three or four just in the last like 100 years. Yeah. yeah. It's not news. And they always act so shocked, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> you know? No. Uh-uh. Not Father Cock and Balls. He would never do yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other day, what is it, you know, what is the defrocked priest go do for a living? And I said, oh, Coach Little League, of course. <laughs> and what else, you know, what else could he possibly do? Heather, you are a great wicked, and you join such cool wicked witches. Do we not have the coolest women ever in our organization? We have the coolest women ever. Absolutely. They just are. They're some so of my favorite women in the world, actually some of my favorite people in the world, <laughs> but my some of the best women. I, I never really even connected with women so deeply in my life until I met other Satanist women. And I know that Maybe. sounds like, like crazy, but it's like absolutely true. I... I um, have been maybe I mean, and I could maybe attribute it to me being more more uh, grown up now. <laughs> but yeah, and you would think it would be the opposite because we're you know we would be more prone to um, competition because it's not frowned upon necessarily, but it's the opposite. We're way more supportive of each other and understanding, kind of get out of each other's ways. You know, I think because we are who we are. For so long, and there are so few people who know that we have been free to completely expose ourselves emotionally and psychologically and philosophically too. That even our closest friends are somewhat dampened by the fact that we're this different thing, mm-hmm. and that doesn't come up in the church at all. No, we already and, you, you, and there's a real a real feeling of it, take me or leave me, Baptist. <laughs> you know, don't really care. But I'm here is where I am. And I won't change that for anybody or anything, or I wouldn't be here, you know. And I think, yes. Yeah. And I don't care. I'm going to embrace our deadly sins. I am. And I suggest that you continue along with your mustward road. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep cashing in on those deadly sins. <laughs> You're going to have to, because, you know. We're in that wave, baby. Everything's gotten nice and open. Give it another five years. They're going to slam that shit shut. And you're going to be one great big forbidden fruit factory. It's going to be oh, fantastic. fantastic. And that is my <laughs> best wish. And hail Satan for you. Hail Heather. Satan to you. Right um, back thanks, at you. Heather, for joining us on Confessions of a Wicked Witch. Um, I hope you'll join me next time when um, the Undercross people's Choice Award winner, Members' Choice for Undercross, all voted, and they voted Hydra Morningstar. Woohoo! Yes, so we're going to bring her in, and she and I are going to talk about some more sinning. We're going to sin all year long. That's the plan. What do you think? Wow, I'm so excited to listen to the rest of the series. Thank you. I appreciate it, Heather. Thank you. This is Magistrate Brain on Confessions of the Wicked Witch on Radio Free Satan. You have been listening to Confessions of a Wicked Witch with Magistrate Green on Radio Free Satan. You can write to her at wickedwitch at radiofreesatan.com. Also follow Magistrate Green on Facebook at facebook.com slash egrangene.